Hey friends, this is John Gunter at the Eagle Community Church of Christ. Uh, you've caught one of our Bible classes. This is our Bible class covering the sermon on, uh, well, the second sermon on empowerment. So let's jump right into it. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk, uh, and, and I'm sure we will as we, as we get into uh, some of this other stuff. So uh, I'm going to ask you the same questions we asked last week to begin it, uh, just so we get all of these things straight in our mind, because I know uh, some of the terms and people we don't use every day, and so we want to kind of help you uh, help that stick, uh, stick in your mind. So question one, what is deism? A, God is very hands-on with the world. B, God wound up the world and walked away. Or C, the weird isms I have that I can't explain. B, B and C. <laughs> B it is. God wound up the world and walked away. And remember we talked about that with, you know, if we, if we claim that God doesn't work at all now, that's kind of the a, a deistic thought that God set some things up and now he's hands off, okay? That's what, that's what deism is. Uh, who is John Locke? Is he the inventor of the padlock, a British philosopher, or Alexander Campbell's secretary? B, British philosopher. Okay, and Campbell and Stone came from which church? Which one was it, y'all? They were Presbyterian. There you go. And Locke held that we are entirely dependent on what for any knowledge of or contact with God? Was it creation, the Bible, or televangelists? The Bible it is, yeah. The answer was televangelist. I have a lot more questions um, about the 1800s and what they were doing. All right, so let's get into the questions from uh, last week's sermon. And again, I put these in just as prompts. We can we can go wherever you want to go. Um, so if if this sparks an idea for you or whatever, this is I've, I've just got questions just so we can. Um, Ask different things, but I certainly don't know what's in your brain. It's one of the hardest things writing questions for our small groups is I'm thinking of this group and what they might want or my group and what they might want, which may be completely different from what you may need. So uh, please ask your questions uh, if you have them. So Saul was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. Why do you think God used spontaneous prophecy as a sign here for Saul? Given that any thought? Why do you think that would be the sign for Saul? Remember, he was anointed. Samuel told him this was going to happen, and it did. Any thoughts on this? We're off to a good start. Just a part of his plan, yeah. That's kind of where I go. Um... I think probably the special thing about prophecy is probably pretty hard to figure out. You know, what, uh, what exactly is happening here? It's probably something that other people would have at least seen and thought, what is, what is this? Um, and whether they, you know, attributed this to God or not. But I think it was something kind of out of the ordinary uh, that God used. Any other thoughts? All right. 
So, why did the Spirit of God leave Saul? So he was anointed, he prophesied uh, with the Spirit of God, he obviously has the Spirit of God, so why did the Spirit of God leave Saul? You remember? Yeah. Just walked, kind of walked away, kind of did his own thing. How many of the uh, biblical characters start, start strong and then fade? It's the way I feel some weeks, right? It's Monday, let's get it. Wednesday, drag me, right? I need, I, need a, I need that Wednesday night pick me up here at the church just to get through the rest of the week sometimes. Yeah, okay. So Saul uh, decided to kind of walk away from, uh, from God. So after the spirit left Saul, God allowed an evil spirit and it said an evil spirit from God, which, it, you know, you have to uh, try to decide what that's all about. But what do you think about this? That the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, leaves Saul, and all of a sudden there's a void in Saul's life, and God allows at least this evil spirit to come into him. Is that something you knew? Something that was new to you? What do you think about it? Should God have allowed this? What purpose did it serve? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because it was a stark contrast. You're right. Um, that he, he starts out the leader that he was, and then all of a sudden he's, uh, remember we talked last week about how all of a sudden he's just kind of angry and throws a spear at David. Like one minute I'm good, the next minute I am not. Definitely a stark contrast. Any other thoughts on this? Because I know this is a big, this is a big question you may just, I don't know what to do with it. That's fine, too. Uh-huh. Interesting, yeah. Could have been. <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Samuel had already told him from God, right? Like, if you want a king, this is how it's going to be. You're going to pay taxes. You're, you know, he's going to take this and that, and your young men are going to do this, all these things. Yeah. Okay. Other thoughts, questions, concerns? This T-shirt is driving me nuts. Why, why do they make, Rebecca, do you know the answer to this? Why do they make under T-shirts longer than your normal? Okay. Anybody want to give me some seed money and we'll just start a company this morning that makes them the correct length? We'll see that. All right, any other thoughts? One more chance. Okay, and this is kind of along the same lines. When the evil spirit changed Saul's demeanor and caused him to throw his spear at David, how do we explain the change from good to evil? And part of this also, it seems like Saul might have gone through like uh, depression at some points too. 
you know, he's kind of down and uh, not, not the same at all. But how do we explain this change from good to evil? That's great. I mean, that, that's one of the things where, you know, when we talked about looking in the mirror, that's something I think we, we should do all the time. Because you ever been in a point where you, in your life, where you felt, man, I was really good during that time. I was close to God. Or at another point in your life where not only was I bad, I was pretty good at being bad. Right? Yeah, and both of those things can lead your life, and you can almost excel in them, maybe the way to say that. Uh, but yeah, Saul, Saul changes kind of completely the contrast we talked about. Um, and now this, this spirit is leading his life. I see a hand over here. Okay. All right, 1 John 4.1 says that we are not to believe every spirit, but we should test every spirit. How do we accurately discern a situation like this where Saul had been a godly man in the past? So my thought behind this question is sometimes we, we think about, man, that, that's just a, he was a good guy. I've got good memories of him and all the good he has done. But as we've talked about, all of a sudden something has changed in Saul's life, right? So how do we accurately discern a situation where that person has now changed? You ever know of anybody in your life that, Man, they went to church faithfully. They were a big part of our, our church, our congregation, and, and something happened. And now they have just gone a different way with their life. Anybody ever experienced that? So what helps us discern these things? Do you see everyone with rose-colored glasses? Uh, I remember the good things, so they're always good. Are you able to discern, well, this is not right anymore? Saul isn't the leader that he was, or uh, this minister wasn't the guy I thought he was. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have done it for Saul because Christ hadn't come yet, but uh, as far as what we do, do you think we can confess Christ as the Son of God and yet... Let's, let's frame it this way. What's the difference between kind of going our own way versus knowing that we are sinful? Does that make any sense? You can know that Mm-hmm. Yep. I believe in God, but I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be around the church, which is a serious problem because of what God said about the church and what you ought to be doing with it. Other thoughts there? Look at Saul's situation. 
Scissor do? Yeah. Right. So what do you, what do you think is different here about Saul? Because I mean, let's let's be honest. As we look around, every preacher you've ever had, every elder, every church member in this place, if you think about them, they were just the the godliest person and never did anything. Well, you didn't know them well enough then, right? Because we all sin and fall short. Unless we're going to sit here and say Scripture is wrong in that, right? I'm telling you, it's not in my life, you know. I, but but the the difference I think is that. You know whether or not you you turn back, you repent, you you have this intent to live this godly life, which, as Scott brought up, David's a big part of this. What's the difference in Saul and David in all of this? In the way that that David did wrong too, right? What was the difference there? Yeah. Uh, and you, you think about all of the the evil things that David did, which were not you know, took a candy bar from the grocery store thing. People's lives were lost. Yeah. Because, and the only way God can say that is because David's heart was there to be turned. And sometimes he was hard-headed. He had to send Nathan and explain to him in kind of a non uh, confrontational way for David to come to the conclusion and Nathan said, well, you're that guy. But yeah, yeah, that he would, he would have the heart to, to turn back. And so that's the difference there is that we can choose to walk away, but we also understand that none of us are perfect, that we're going we're gonna to do things that are wrong. But what is that, uh, uh, what do we do uh, when we're confronted with that? Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, you could prophesy and have a ministry filled with miracles, and you could still be lost. What do you think about this? Yes, sir. What he said. Amen. What do you think about if someone today... You, you witnessed it yourself. You've seen it. They, they're prophesying. They're doing some sort of miraculous works that you know are miraculous. But Jesus says somebody could do all of this and still be lost. What do you make of this? Yeah. Yeah, what's the motive there? I'll tell you one of the the goofiest arguments we had about instrumental music when I was growing up was that uh, if you were playing an instrument, you were doing it for show. Like we could easily judge that as that that is definitely show. But the guy who stood up here and led 
We knew that wasn't show. Now, how did we come to that conclusion? Anybody else have that said, or was that just kind of my area? You ever heard that? Uh, and, and it's exactly what we're saying over here. What is the motive? We don't know the motive. How many stories do you hear in the news, unfortunately, about pastors who have had successful ministries, who have seemingly led a lot of people to Jesus, only to find out later that there was a lot going on. They were uh, very manipulative. They weren't good to work with or for. Uh, maybe they had uh, uh, sexual immorality in their lives, having affairs and such. But from the outside, we think, man, wish I had a ministry like that, right? So many people coming every week. But we don't know the motives a lot of times, do we? We don't know all the, all the information. Does that scare you in any way? Yes, it could, couldn't it? A lot of people can call me Lord, Lord, and not enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be afraid of that. Yeah. But we can put ourselves sometimes into our own motive Mm-hmm. And again, you know, something like, as we talk about something like this, I think what we can do is, especially someone in, in leadership, uh, minister, elder, you know, whoever in the church, and we see that, you know, they, they sin. Maybe they have a sin that comes to light. And often what I have seen is, well, we need to get rid of them. As if before that sin, we thought they were perfect. When the fact is, we just didn't know the sin. And a lot of times, we don't even allow that person to be like David. A man, again, after God's own heart. Uh, Because, well, they have that sin and now they've got to go. Well, how in the world do you show a good example of, of what repentance means, of what grace and mercy means, is if at the first chance I hear about your sin, you've got to get out? How does that make sense in the light of everything else in Scripture? That God, in what we've read since January, deals with people who stray from him over and over and over and over, right? And yet he walks beside them uh, all the way. Or if I find out about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen, uh, and, and the sad part is people leave people just way in the church. Just, I never have seen where that worked out. Never helped anybody. All it does is cause us to be less transparent. We don't want somebody to find out. You know, our, everybody here, we're all sinners. So we just try to hide, put on this facade. Perfect. And when there's problems brewing beneath, 
action that does not exist. I've had that exact conversation with people uh, over over an elder. Well, he needs to go. Well, I mean, this is the example. This is the time to show that. Uh, and Scripture tells us to confess our sins one to another. And like you said, I think in you know early in my church life, it was not confess your sins to one another. It is try to hide them as best you can, lest they get brought up by someone. Right? Been in that situation before? It's kind of, I think of the church as a family, in your own family. If, if Evan told me a lie, when I tell him, he's a family, that would go without the scriptures. You've been gone a long time. It's fellowship, people. You know, I've been to my parents' church and watched two women get this fellowship. That turned up. One of the men stood up and read a letter. It was so awful. And they were crying. And they never came back to church again. Like, what did that Katie had a friend one time who we found out had a Church of Christ background, and I think Katie asked her why she, she didn't go anymore, and she said, well, I've had too many divorces for the Church of Christ. And you all know what that means, don't you? <laughs> You know exactly what, unfortunately, unfortunately, we have, uh, uh, we made that person feel like you, there's no room for you here at this church. You have sinned too much. Your sin was too great. And what we, what we read in scripture is that God, again, David, right? Uh, David has a man murdered because he has an affair with his wife. And then he got to keep her. <laughs> Doesn't really dive into Bathsheba's temperament there, does it? And God did not punish David because Bathsheba took care of it. Yeah, okay. Could have been the case, I guess. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this? Doesn't have to be final. That sounds too... Mm -mm. We're going to keep the the door open around here with this. I saw a meme on the computer when we were talking about the church being a family and trying to help each other through uh, the problems and the issues and things. And it says watching church on TV is like watching a fireplace on the TV screen. You don't get the door. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll caution you on that one, though. Uh, one of the churches that kind of started online church, they said most of their new members who started coming to their church physically were online first. Uh, it, uh, it kind of allowed for a uh, kind of the barrier to be lower. Like when I showed up finally in person, I already knew what was going on. And so I've kind of had to change my thought about that too uh, to kind of allow some leeway. Now, I, w I, I would agree completely if... Next week, I found out that, that Scott and Sheila decided they're just going to worship online from now on. Uh, you know. 
And, and right at 11 o'clock, we see Scott logged out. Okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> Scott is logged out. Let's end the sermon. Uh, because you know, I mean, you know what church is. You know about the, being a part of the family and all these things. But, but I do allow uh, the leeway for new, new people especially. All right. So Moses uh, was said to have power without pride. So how does this help someone lead? To not have pride in your leadership. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's ask this question. How many of you like a leader who acts like they have no pride? Like if the leader of a company, a CEO, a someone who's over your hedge fund or whatever, I don't know what all you guys are into, but they they come out and say, you know, I just don't have all the power to do all of this. This is on, you know, this is, I just submit to God. Are you for that? Or do you hope that a person comes out and says, I've got the plan and I know what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it? Okay. Could be. Could be. Can you be, um, I guess you wouldn't lack confidence with pride, right? Maybe. Thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know all about that, yeah. Sure, sure. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It, it could even start out one way and end the other, right? Yeah. First, I don't have enough confidence or pride in what I'm doing, but by the end of it, I think, well, man, this was me. I did this work. Yeah. yeah uh, some of the most arrogant people sometimes are the most, uh, I don't know, they, it's interesting to see all the personality differences, how they want to display towards the public versus how they are. Uh, I've dealt with some of that before. Donald? How confident you might want to 
Yeah. Yeah. It is. But great leaders also don't rule by words on a page. They 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 lead by their heart. Yeah. Yeah. John, I I had a lot of a lot of going out of the scripture. Uh called confidence, I call it pride because I thought I had it all figured out. I mean, you have to remember Jesus' ministry. His ministry, a lot of it was confrontation with the Pharisees who were leading the people. Uh, and Jesus was saying, you need to read your Bible better. You need to understand this more. And they said, yes, sir, we will, and thank you for being here, didn't they? Now they said, let's kill this guy. And so that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do is to let go of that, right? Uh, because we feel like we have power sometimes. Last week I said, you know, sometimes it's power, sometimes it's just perceived power. Like I have this, this thing, and I don't really have it. Kind of like we think with our lives sometimes. Well, I'm in control. Eh, are you? Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's something to think about. Any other thoughts on that? All right. Moses depended on the Holy Spirit to lead his people. This meant he saw himself not uh, as not self-sufficient, saw himself as not self-sufficient, okay, to handle the situation. Have you ever looked at a situation in the same way? Now, I'm, I'm not going to let Heath speak because he said this last week, right? Uh, Heath gave you the example of when he started off as a, uh, in, in management in his company, where maybe you even began thinking, okay, I can handle this, and all of a sudden the situation turns where you know, okay, I can't, Right? And I need to depend on God. Have you ever been in a situation like this where I know I have to, like maybe I think all the time that I'm in control and I have the power and I can do all of these things, but right now I know that I have to depend on God. You ever been there? Anybody want to share anything like this? Heath, do you have a second story? Nobody else is raising their hand. Every day, correct? Right. Once if it was in a relationship, like a marriage, I mean, there's not just one, there's probably a lot. Yeah. Where you think you can figure something out together. Or like, we just have to like, think hard enough and we'll figure this out. And you're like, mm, that's not going to work. It's not working. <laughs> so it's going to take something else to help this get better. Yeah. <laughs> Our brains are not going to figure this out. Um, which is really humbling because... Yeah. Do enough pro con lists and you analyze enough, and that doesn't always do it. How many of you have a situation in your life right now that you would love to be able to control, 
but you know you cannot control it. So I, I want some examples. So mine is, and I've said this in the sermon before, mine is every time my boys get on that school bus in the morning. Daddy can't keep them safe. Daddy can't uh, control what is said around them, what is viewed around them, anything like that, right? We just kind of get to deal with the aftermath and, okay, where did you hear that? Or why are you saying this? And I understand I've got to depend on God. I, I said in a sermon that I think it's one of the biggest acts of faith that we have today is, you know, when you drop your kids off at school. And I'm sorry we've got to even think like that. But I think that's the case. Anybody want to share their situation that you're thinking of? I'd love to control it, but I know it's just in God's hands. I can't do that. I'm sorry? Jimbo Wells. Let's, let's put a name to it. I like that. It's like... It's in God's head. Hey, I've done what I can do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, yeah. It's like I, I love Susan Bertrand. She raised her hand. I've got a story about Mickey, and Mickey's head just dropped. Yep. All right. Who else? Anything else you're thinking of that you want to share? Well, it's not currently going on, but I remember when I took my kids out of school, we went to this school, and they were going to school. I didn't know what I was that is no small change, is it? <laughs> we, we, we did that. Katie, well, I said we. Katie did most of it when uh, Evan was in first grade. Yeah, first grade, you know, COVID hits the end of, of 20, that school year. And, and <coughs> excuse me. So for the next year, we, we homeschooled him with, you know, Zoom calls and stuff with the teacher and everything. And even that, even having a teacher, was Katie did a lot of work, and Katie decided at that point we would not homeschool our kids. Um, yeah. Isn't that life, though? I mean, that's, even, even about yourself, you know, I wish I'd have done this better or whatever, and we kind of, I think we're hard on ourselves, we're hard on our parenting, we're hard on all of that. Um, when we're all trying to, we're just doing the best we can. Man, if I'd have known this at that age, well, you didn't. You weren't old enough for that. You hadn't experienced this or that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of life is, is that way. Other thoughts, other examples. Yeah. Yeah. Feel a little, feel helpless, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel that way all the time with with that with political situations. Like, and when you're in states, um, when you're in certain areas, you know that doesn't matter how I vote anyway. You know, if you're if you're not the majority, I mean, there are a lot of ways that you can feel like I've got no. No say in this, which is not how we started out, right? That's not, that wasn't the plan, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, certainly we can think like that. All right, let's get to this. Moses accepted the Holy Spirit's power in others. Why is it important in church to allow other people to use their gifts? Finally got to my favorite questions here. <laughs> 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Other thoughts? Why is it important? You ever seen someone that just got in a position of power in church and we don't know what to do with them now because it's going to their heads and nobody can do it but me type of thing? You've all seen it, haven't you? Because we have imperfect people in church too, right? Yeah. I agree. Same. Okay. I would agree with that. I, 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 but I think because of that, the person that, I, you know, I used, I picked on Jordan last week, you know, if Jordan wanted to preach, you know, that I, I got to keep him at arm's length type of thing. Um, because it is so, it feels like it's so rare, I'm with you on that, that somebody actually wants to use it. Like, how can I serve? How can I do this? That I think sometimes that makes the person that wants to feel more dangerous. You know, they're going to take my spot. They're good at it. Oh, no. What do I do now? Um, and and that, was, that was kind of, um, was kind of the second this question here. Moses was not a jealous leader. When Joshua wanted the other men to stop prophesying, Moses said he hoped the Spirit was poured out on all of God's people. He said, are you jealous for my sake? But I hope the Spirit of God is poured out on all uh, of God's people. And so do we think like Joshua or Moses? Are we someone who just, man, I hope the growth happens. I want the Spirit to be poured out. I want to see you come to this place and say, I've got, I believe God has gifted me in this way, and I'm going to use it. Or are you like Joshua, where you're thinking, uh-oh, this might be a threat, a threat to my position, a threat to what I've accomplished or what I think I am. Maybe they're, I don't know if Joshua was thinking, man, I'm not, prophesying, so are they about to take my place? You know, Moses seemed to think that Joshua thought he was going to take Moses' place. These men were. Moses said, be jealous for me. So do we think more like Joshua or Moses? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 One of the hardest for me is what it Paul that said, you know, even if they're doing so in vain, be used for good. And I want to say, stop it. <laughs> that is not right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
that allowed for a lot of the women who were gifted to help and lead in a way that was actually effective anyway. So <laughs> that was their model. And so I went to the person who was over, like, whatever the area was, and I said, I had this idea and blah, blah, blah. And because all my other experience in church was like, well, we got to tell this person, and then that person has to give this approval, and then we'll see if we have any money. And then there were all these steps. And she was like, do it. Like, I was so scared. Am I going to get in trouble? Yeah. Yeah. And so then I talked to a, because of where we had come from, I was like, I should probably talk to an elder. So I went to an elder, and they were like, why are you talking to me? Like, go do it. And it was such a cool experience because we were allowed to, like, oh, this isn't working. Let's fix it and do this. And oh, like, with the, not the test, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, people, when you had an idea, like that last question, if there was some a way that you were gifted or that that you could use those gifts, it wasn't if it wasn't for the work and it wasn't for the Lord, then it was gonna fail anyway. Mm -hmm. They weren't intimidated by some idea that somebody else had. Yeah. You know, it didn't have to be decided by like a big committee and then and I love that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've had the same experience here where, you know, I'm like, what about this? And then it's like, well, let's do it. And so, like, and, it's awesome. and I've heard other people do that here too. So I just think that's where we can be more like, more like Moses, where, hey, let's see. And if it's not going to work, it's not going to hurt anything to try. Yeah, sometimes we're protective of an idea that may not even be reality, yeah. but we just want to keep it the same. And so we can't try that. We can't do that. Yeah. So quote Scott Gibson when you, uh, I have one more slide, if you'll bear with me just one second. God said he would make Moses a greater nation than Israel. But Moses turned it down and asked God to save the people. How would you have answered God? Remember, God was like, you know what, I'm done with these people. We'll just start with you. We'll make you a greater nation than they ever were. We'll go from there. And Moses turned it down. We talked about he had, he had this power without ambition. His name could have been great. Everyone could have been, I am a son of Moses. And he said, no. I'd like to think of answering the same way as Moses, but I want to live a quiet life. I don't, I don't want to be out there in the spotlight. Yeah. Have the paparazzi yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Again, if you've got questions, get those to me. And uh, we're going to talk about prophecy here in just a few minutes.